Casino Royale, Chapter 15, Black Hair and Greyhound. Chapter 15, Black Hair and Greyhound. At the risk of showing my age, when I was young, I was very much into comic books. At that time, the idea of superheroes all over the big screen was pretty much a fantasy, so we were pretty happy just reading and seeing our favorite superheroes on the printed page. And the medium of comic books sort of lent itself to a few cheats. For example, Spider-Man's eyes. Even though we know this is supposed to be a fixed costume, the comic artists used Spider-Man's eyes to change and show expression. Something, by the way, that they only recently tapped into in the current incarnation of Spider-Man. But you get the idea. Another cheat they could also fall back on was, in a moment of action that should really be taking about a fraction of a second, you might get a thought bubble that has the character thinking out one or two paragraphs of information. The character might be thinking to himself thoughts that, as you read it, takes you a good 20 or 30 seconds to get through. Again, in a split second of action. But we always sort of forgave that cheat because in real life, a thought might flash into your mind that really does carry a lot of information. An idea might pop into your head instantly that might take you a few minutes to explain to someone else, but the thought came to you in just a flash of light. That's sort of what this chapter reminded me of. Chapter 15 is essentially an action chapter. It's hard to imagine today that at one point we read stories that had scenes that were meant to invoke action. As a reader, we're following the action and we're getting the excitement that comes with it. In this chapter is simply James Bond getting into his car and beginning the car chase to chase down the thugs that have kidnapped Vesper. Just by comparison, this is a scene that takes only a few seconds in the film. But here, we get a whole chapter of Bond taking action and then thinking thoughts in his mind as this goes on. So you don't walk away with an exact sense of how long this car chase actually took, in our minds, it takes as long as it takes us to read the chapter. So what you're getting here is a combination of the action that Bond is taking, the condition of the roads, how his car reacts to the conditions, how Bond handles the car, but you're also getting Bond's thoughts. What led us to this moment in time? What will Bond do in the future, depending on the outcome of what's about to happen? Again, sort of a lot to be thinking about while you're pursuing your enemies, but again, this is how our mind works. We're often flooded with information, thoughts racing through our minds during an intense situation. I'll confess that this was hardly my favorite chapter. For a chapter that's full of a lot of information, not much is really happening. Again, Bond gets in his car and initiates chase, but we don't even get to the conclusion of the chase until the next chapter. It's essentially Bond alone with his thoughts. And frankly, they don't put Bond's thoughts into a good light. Understandably, Bond is furious at the situation he finds himself in. It's Vesper's poor judgment or lack of experience that has put Bond into this fix, or at least that's what we're meant to believe at this point in the story. But Bond is not exactly forgiving right here. Bond is angry that he was ever asked to work with a woman. He says she should have been home all along, cooking dinner and washing pots and pans. Sure, this was a different time, but even still, I don't know if it puts Bond in a great light. He even goes as far as to say that if things don't work out, if he can't rescue Vesper pretty quickly, then he's just going to hand her over to her captors. He'll completely just write her off, and he'll sleep well knowing that he did it. Again, you can understand Bond's fury in the heat of the moment, but 
But how do you justify this a few chapters later when Bond says that he has fallen in love with Vesper? One possible takeaway from this is that Fleming absolutely intended to illustrate Bond's confused and conflicting feelings. While Bond is having thoughts of not caring about Vesper, about to throw her to the wolves, he's still in furious pursuit. On one hand, he's saying that Vesper is completely expendable, but he never takes his foot off the gas. So while Bond's thoughts say one thing, his actions say something else. So I think I get what Fleming is trying to do here, but I will say that many years later in the 2006 film, I think just the fury in Daniel Craig's eyes communicate much better than a whole chapter of conflicted and confusing thoughts. And as long as we're talking about the film, another thing I'm glad they changed, the description of Vesper tied up. Her velvet dress lifted up over her head, tied at the top, naked from the waist down, and with a small slit torn so that her face can pop through the black material. I'll just say it's always given me sort of a weird picture. Meant to be discomforting for sure, so I get what the author is going for, but very glad we never got that visual. So chapter 15, while it's not one of my favorites, does give you an insight into the frantic thoughts of James Bond in a moment of crisis and provides a shot of adrenaline that you don't always get in written form. And it leaves you anxious for the conclusion to come in chapter 16. The Casino Royale fan commentary will return.